Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter. While Jesus was living in the Galilean hills, John called the baptizer was preaching in the desert country of Judea. His message was simple and austere, like his desert surroundings. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. John and his message were authorized by Isaiah's prophecy. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John, dressed in a camel hair habit, tied at the waist by a leather strap. He lived on a diet of locusts and wild field honey. People poured out of Jerusalem, Judea, and the Jordanian countryside to hear and see him in action. There at the Jordan River, those who came to confess their sins were baptized into a changed life. When John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do, he exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to make a difference? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Descendants of Abraham are a dime a dozen. What counts is your life. Is it green and flourishing? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false he'll put out with the trash to be burned. May we be blessed in the hearing of these words. Have you noticed that every generation has their own way of saying very good? We all can say good, but we need to add that very. When I was a kid, if something was very good, it was awesome. It was excellent. I'm told that the generation before me, it was groovy. My son no longer says excellent or awesome. He says things are bussin'. Every generation comes up with a new way to say very good because, you know, like awesome and excellent, which were wonderful words, after you use them over and over and over and over, they lose the very, you know, and they become, becomes just good. It becomes okay. And then the next generation has to have a new word that adds that very back on it. And it happens over and over in life. 
with our words and with our traditions. The, they get used over and over. And we get used to them and they become familiar. They lose their gloss. And we have to do something to get back to the original meaning. It's true of language and it's true of traditions. And sometimes we can use different language to recapture the power of the original meaning. Now, everyone knows that you know, the Bible was written in ancient Hebrew and ancient Greek, and everything that we read is a translation into modern English. I love the message translation that Mary shared with us because it translates it into modern American English, and it captures some of that, the awesomeness of the gospel that, that for me has gotten a little toned down by hearing the same English words over and over again. Now, I've studied, you know, when you go to seminary, you study ancient languages. I've studied that old Greek uh, that the New Testament is written in, and I have done translations. And so I am aware that every English translation is close but not quite right. No language parallels. If you speak another language, who else speaks any other language? So you know, when you speak another language, you know it never lines right up. It always, it's always close. And that is true of every translation of ancient Greek. I recently got this First Nations version of the New Testament, which I just feel like the scriptures are being broken open again for me. And knowing the Greek, I would call this a faithful translation in the culture of First Nations. So the Gospel of Matthew is called Gift from Creator Tells a Story. And in this translation, John the Baptist is called gift of goodwill. The Pharisees are called the separated ones. And the one whom John foretold, the one who would be the main character, the one who will ignite this kingdom life within us, the one who's going to clean house, that one is called creator sets free. Creator sets free. I will tell you both this First Nations version and the message. Um, there's a copy on the table. So when you're meeting for your small group, if you want to use one of those translations, you are welcome to. Um, sometimes having um, more than one translation uh, digs deeper into the scripture for you. Art is another way of breaking into meaning. It can show us new ways of understanding. I've grown up seeing images of Mary, you know, in blue, with covered. She always looked very demure and silent. And then I've seen other images of Mary um, speaking those words of the Magnificat, which we shared for our call to worship, and she is energetic. And it opens up new knowing of Mary, a new getting to know Mary for me. In our gospel reading, John is out in the wilderness. What is that? Gift of goodwill. He's out in the wilderness. He's wearing camel hair habit. He's eating grasshoppers and wild honey. Wild honey sounds scary. There's only one way to get that. You have to fight the bees for it. But that's what he's doing. He's living out on the countryside. He is living off the land. 
And people are coming from all over the place to hear him. So I'm thinking he's saying some old truths, some old things that are wonderful, that are very with new language, with new language that recaptures what is so amazing about God. He's found a new way to help people connect with God. God had been there all along, but there's something about John helped people notice their longing for God. And so they went out, out to the river, out to the wilderness to John, where they confessed their sins, where they said aloud all those things they do that distance them from God. And they were baptized into this changed life of closeness with God. John reached inside people and touched that part of them that had that deep longing, their deepest longing, that deepest longing that God would be with them. And then John tells them, the next thing is even better. Someone else is coming. The real action is next. This one who will ignite that kingdom fire within you the Holy Spirit within you who will change you from the inside out. That one is coming. Now the people of Israel, the people of God, they had a long relationship with God. And I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes the longer the relationship is, the more challenging it is. You know, because when it's a short relationship, you know, I can cover up my blemishes for a little while pretty good. But then after a while, my blemishes are showing. And their blemishes are showing. And relationships get more difficult. Well, the people of God had this long relationship with God, and all of their blemishes were showing. They had sinned over and over. They had been conquered and sent into exile, where they had lived, you know, bottom of the heap. They had lived lowly. And God had delivered them and brought them back to the promised land where they kept sinning, kept distancing themselves from God, and the Romans had arrived. And the Romans had conquered them. The Romans had burned their homes, killed their men, raped their women, and then stayed. Those folks coming from the countryside to see John They were living with Roman occupation. And the violence may not have been constant, but the threat was constant. It was always there. And they longed for God. They longed to feel safe. They longed to know that they mattered to God, that God was watching out for them. We don't live under occupation praise God. But we have that same longing. We long for God. We long to know that God is real and that God matters. We long for the presence of God. We long to know that we matter to God, that God notices us. We long for a meaning and that presence of God that is so amazing that it changes our lives that our lives ignite. 
where we, we are ignited into that kingdom life where we go from solid to plasma. We long to be ignited by God. And we all have that restless longing. God knows about our longing. John knew about our longing. Marketers know about our longing. And we get all kinds of advertising messages that say the answer is to buy things. Actually, to buy, to buy our things. That's the answer to this longing. And at Christmas, there's like this perfect storm of this longing that we have and our love for friends and family and these messages about buying. And, and we just go out on this spending, um, this spending gorge where we spend and spend and spend in this frenzied binge of commercial gluttony. We are searching for meaning, following that longing without transformation. And we are left empty. And the longing continues. This week, our focus with Advent Conspiracy is on spending less. There's the four weeks. Last week, we talked about worship fully. This week is spending less. Next week is giving more. And the last week is love all. This week, we're focusing on spending less as we as, as we are aware of this draw into spending that all of us are surrounded with, and that we know that when we allow Christmas to become about possessions, it actually puts a barrier up between ourselves and God. So I was wondering if this Christmas is different with inflation and all, and I recently read a report, nope. Even with inflation, People are still spending at the same rate. Prices have gone up. People are still paying them. They're not, they don't have more money to pay them, so they're saying what's happening is savings are shrinking and debt is rising. We are all getting caught up in this spending, this satiating, this longing. And we want the spending to do that for us. And we get caught into this cycle of longing, buying, longing, buying, longing, buying, and we get into this cycle, and it, become, it can become addictive. I mean, and I, I mean, I'm the first to say the stores are crazy fun, and they're music, and they're shiny, and they pull you right in. But it still leaves us empty because our longing comes from somewhere else. And so this week, as we look at spending less, we are letting that longing push us somewhere else, push us out into the wilderness with John, with gift of goodwill. It was John who touched that longing that we feel, that God would be with us, that God matters and that we matter. And John said, not only is God arriving to you, not only is God coming, the one greater than I is coming, but God will ignite that fire of God within you, ignite that kingdom life within you. You will be changed from the inside out. And it turns out that change won't be difficult because the fire will come from inside and the Holy Spirit will be within you. I think we tend to assume, I tend to assume, that transformation is going to be difficult and maybe painful, 
until we discover that it is easy. In 1906, Dorothy Day was eight years old, living in Oakland, California, when a huge earthquake hit the Bay Area, the earthquake and fire of 1906 in San Francisco. She said, as later on she was remembering it, and she said, the earth became a sea. Their t- chimney was toppled. All the plates and glasses were shattered because things had been thrown around their house. She could see across the bay the smoke from the city on fire, and then the refugees began arriving by ferry and by boat. Everything had changed. And then she described her mother and her neighbors went out into the street and set up a soup kitchen on the street, and they fed people right there, And they cooked out on the street. They gave away every stitch of clothing that they could. They pitched tents and they comforted people. That world had been transformed. She wrote, while the crisis lasted, people loved each other. They were united in Christian solidarity. It was a glimpse of a a world ignited by that kingdom fire. And it was easy. We were hit by an earthquake of sorts when COVID arrived and our worlds changed. And we had to, you know, go into lockdown. And then as we came back together, striving to care for each other in ways that were loving and responsible, and we did it. As I was driving here this morning, I was remembering a year ago, We were worshiping outside, but praise God, no blizzards. But we were outside with the fire pits and the propane heaters, and we had on our snow boots and our snow pants and coats and hats and gloves. (coughs) And we gathered together outside, feeling the sunshine, watching those squirrels who, I don't, they have winter coats, I guess, because they're perfectly fine. We loved each other and we loved God. We lo- our longing for God was stronger than all of the difficulties involved because our longing had turned to fire. So this week, notice that longing within you. Be aware of that longing that every one of us has and let God show you the fire that God has kindled within you. As we continue through our Advent journey of watching and waiting, knowing that God has come to save us. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.